From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for sometime around New Year's Day. We are pre-taping all this stuff, um, which means, Keith, you're the first person I can wish a Happy New Year to. Yeah, absolutely. Happy New Year to you, too. Everyone does the whole, uh, you know, see you next year thing and, and does a little joke about it. But, you know, we're uh, we're doing a little time warp thing ourselves, so... We're ahead of the game. Yes, exactly. Um, Keith Keith Bennett is a golf uh, teaching professional at the Golf Club of Newcastle, Newcastle, Washington. He also has an online business, which you can find out more on on KeithBennettGolf.com. He also has a sensational Instagram feed where he basically teaches you golf through Instagram, which is... Really interesting. And one thing I've always wanted to ask people who do Instagram videos, because I don't, is you are under a one-minute time sequence there. How much, how cognizant are you of the fact that you have a minute and how much editing happens afterwards? Because there's almost two different worlds. There's the, I don't care how long this goes, I'll put it on IGTV if I have to, I'll edit it if I have to, and then there's some that are looking at that clock and they want to hit exactly 60 seconds. Yeah, you know, I would say that for a while I was pretty cognizant of it, and I was trying to make sure I stayed under the minute, Um, but I sort of started to embrace the IGTV aspect of it in that whole world. Um, and I think people have started to enjoy that a little bit more. I can be a little bit more deliberate with my speaking. I can be a little bit more in-depth with the stuff that I'm trying to say and, and the messages I'm trying to get across. And I think I think people have, have embraced that, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback on that. So I would say before the, the IGTV, it was definitely something I was, I was cognizant of, and I would maybe do two or three takes of the same thing if I ran over or if I could have maybe gone a little bit longer on something. And so I said the IGTV things actually saved me some time because I'm not really so worried about it anymore. And I can just kind of say what I want to say and, and just put it up as it. And, and, but you've lost precious practice time because of it. Cause you were getting extra practice in by, by, <laughs> by, by doing multiple takes. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you could say that, or, or you know, I could do it more in like one take now and not worry about the time. So I'm actually possibly saving myself more time. So however you want to look at it, um, it probably shakes out in the wash to be about the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it probably does work out to be a wash. Um, so you're going to see a bunch of podcasts as we start 2019 that are, excuse me, or sorry, 2020. Isn't it so weird to say that we're, we're in the year 2020, sheesh, um, that focus on the first preview, this, whatever. And this is a golf fitness podcast because everybody wants to get their games fit for the new year. So there's going to be two parts. How Keith does his fitness is going to go second, and then the universal golf fitness stuff is going to come first. Um, but before that, I have to just get a disclaimer out there that because we are pre-taping this the best part about this Keith is that I would normally say to you the Pats are struggling and I don't think they can do well in the in in the playoffs but by the time this runs Tom Brady and company could hit their stride and I could seem totally out of date so you get saved having to answer an embarrassing question yeah 
<laughs> yeah, you know, same thing happened last year. It didn't look real good. Offense was struggling. Defense wasn't real, wasn't real solid. Everybody thought the Chargers were going to come into into Gillette and blow the doors off the pass. And then we all know what happened after that. So I've learned to never doubt uh, Brady and Co. Um, they always have something up their sleeves. So I'm hoping they have the same magic this year. And yes, you heard that right. He is a Pats fan in a suburb of Seattle. So let's get this out of the way. How the heck did you become? Uh, so you are from Vermont. We know that. But how the heck did you get to Seattle? And how the heck can you survive being a Pats fan in one of the most football-loving cities America has in Seattle, Washington? Yeah, you know, it's it's a daily battle. Um, <laughs> it's not easy. But... Um, you know, there, I found little pockets of Pats fans out here. Believe it or not, there are some Pats fans out here besides myself that wow. I've, I've learned to to congregate with and and commiserate with and and all that good stuff. Um, from Vermont, so obviously grew up watching the Pats. My brother John, my older brother John's a monster Pats fan, so he's probably who started the first my first love of the team. So that was basically growing up was all all Patriots. Um, and I'm lucky because I obviously got to live, I've got to live through the last 20 years of what's been the craziest run of football that we're probably ever going to see. So um, it's so fun. But no, the, the living in Seattle obviously is tough with my wife being a diehard Seahawks fan, her parents having season tickets for the past decade or so. Um, you know, that's been a little bit of a, a family. We've had to get over it as a family, but we're working <laughs> past it every day. Is that one of the things you had to put in your wedding vows that I will still allow you to be a, a Seahawks fan, you know, through and you through? Know, oddly enough, I did say in my wedding vows that I would root for the Seahawks only if they weren't playing the past. So <laughs> I guess I could say the, the Seahawks are my NFC team and the Pats are obviously my AFC team. What brought you out to Seattle in the first place? Um, my wife did, actually. Um, we met while I was going to school at New Mexico State. I did all my internships at um, golf courses in the Seattle area um, every summer. So I'd come up here in the summers. I worked at Chambers Bay for the first summer, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then a couple of lesser-known courses in uh, Loomis Trail up in Semiamu and then at Aldera Golf Club in uh, Sammamish, Washington. Um, and now I'm at Newcastle. All right, so uh, we, we, we have that out of the way. That was the number one question that came from the last podcast, by the way, is people were, were looking you up and they're like, how the heck did, is Keith Bennett from Vermont and end up in Seattle? So... That literally, I'm not. I'm, I'm not making this up. That was the number one question I got after the last podcast. Well, now you know. Yes. So now, folks out there, you know the answer to that. All right. Um, golf fitness. There's a lot of different ways to look at golf fitness. Number one is going to be universal ways that fitness to to whatever golf fitness means, but the universal principles of how to make sure that your body can do what your teacher, and please hire a PGA professional, wants you to do. Because in the end, and I can tell you this from my personal workouts, because we incorporated my golf swing changes into it, 
if your body cannot do what your teacher is asking you to do, you will not be able to make the golf swing that you would like. So the universal principles in your mind of golf fitness. Yeah, I would say, you know, and we talked about this a little bit before we jumped on the phone, is that, you know, there are so many different body types out there and so many different ways to get it done. You know, there's no one way to do it. I think, you know, something that's out there in the media and out there in the world right now is that, you know, half, you know the body type has to be a certain way. All these guys on the PGA Tour are coming out slim and trim and cut up and doing workouts four or five days a week and all that sort of stuff. And that's definitely the trend and the model that we're seeing because there's so much modern technology and modern information and, and new research and stuff going into it. And these athletes are making millions on millions of dollars um, that if they're not doing it, the person in front of them is doing it and they feel like they're losing an edge and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, that's the whole world of professional sports and, and the PJ Tour right now. But I think the recreational golfer can do a few things um, every day that will make their lives daily easier, but also make the repetitive motion of the golf swing easier. Um, and one of the things for me, and we'll talk about this a little bit too as we get into my own personal stuff that I do, is um, foam rolling um, and and using a vibrating foam roller to really get in there deep with the muscle tissue and kind of do the percussive therapy technique. Uh, and I found that to be one of the biggest game changers to my routine, and I think it's something that everybody can add in without um, having to do anything too intense on a daily basis, but I do it um, every morning and then in the evenings every night, uh, and it's really, really been beneficial to me. Everybody talks about how you read any golf magazine, and it is get to the course earlier than you usually do, and go and, and make sure you warm up. Don't get to that first tee cold. Make sure you hit a couple putts. Make sure you do... You know, you, you, you hit some wedges and see what your game is like that day. Nobody does that. However, no. <laughs> however, not doing that won't hurt your game. What will, sorry, won't hurt your body. What will hurt your body is not stretching. So no matter what your body type is, what is your recommended pre-round stretching routine? Because at least for me personally, I always tell a starter, if, if, if I'm just walking on and I'm just showing up, I always tell a starter, do I at least have enough time to stretch? Because I know for me personally, if I don't stretch, and this, is, this, this goes no matter what your body type is, this is just stretching. If I don't properly stretch, I am liable to hurt something at some point. So I always ask the starter, do I have enough time to stretch? And if somebody is ready before me, please send them ahead of me because I need a stretch. What is your recommended golf stretch for the folks out there? Yeah, um, I would, you know, I've, I've done plenty of workouts with, with golf fitness instructors over the years, and you know, the majority of what they recommend and what I've learned over the course of my, my golfing life is, is to do a lot of dynamic stretching. So not so much static stretching where, you know, the traditional touch your toes and and you know stretch out the calves but you know dynamic stuff where we're doing kind of scissor steps and high knees and and uh bending forward and you know uh, quad stretching but you're doing it in sort of a 
a walking forward systematic routine and you're kind of you're you're doing little circles with your legs and circles with your ankles and and that dynamic stretching has been more beneficial and i think is is a little bit more in line with what you should be doing before or around you know the, the cold right out of the car trying to touch your toes techniques been proven to not be as as beneficial as a lot of people have always thought it to be it's actually kind of worse for the muscles to just go ahead and start yanking on them when they're dead cold so getting a little bit of the blood rate the heart rate going just by by moving around and you know, doing your stretches and i have a, a dynamic stretching routine um, that i've been doing for a little bit before i start hitting balls um but again back to the foam rolling i've i you know getting the muscles to be looser and a little bit more pliable before you even do all that stuff is going to make it just that much better for you when you start to do it. But yeah, the dynamic stretching routine would be what I would recommend, not static. One thing that's interesting about that, which this brings up, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this on the fly, so if, if, if I'm wrong on this, just let me know. Because this is just one of those, those things where you're listening and it's, and it's, and it's a natural follow-up. It almost seems like you should park your car as far away as possible because at least that forces you to walk and it gets you as, as, as active as possible instead of, you know, just parking as close to as possible and having the shortest walk possible. Is that one way that people can help themselves? I mean, sure. I mean, I, I have no doubt it might help. Or, I mean, a lot of people who are riding in golf carts all day are, aren't getting as much exercise as those people who are walking the golf course. Right. Um, you know, I would say that the number one benefit of playing 18 holes is to walk and, you know, even if you're not carrying your bag, but to use a push cart or a pull cart or something of that nature and, and just be walking the five, six miles it takes to, to walk 18 holes would be the number one benefit to playing golf and getting that fresh air. Um, for 18 holes so anytime you can get the body moving get the feet going instead of just sitting in a golf cart or sitting in your car waiting to go would be very beneficial to a golfer we're talking with Keith Bennett of the Golf Club of Newcastle Newcastle Washington and KeithBennettGolf.com you can find his online lessons on an app called Skillist that's the word skill with E-S-T on the end uh, for online lessons. He's joining us to talk about golf fitness. Keith, um, one thing that I have always found helpful for me, um, but it's in, a, it's in a negative sense, is that the first round of the year, I have to be really cognizant of my body because my legs are, are tired. And we're here in the freezing cold and right now in a New Jersey winter and I'm obviously not getting the four to five mile cardio that I will be getting once the season starts when I start walking. And the running joke among my friends and I is just get yourself on a treadmill and walk and start walking four miles just to get yourself back in tune. Now, obviously, that's going to take a while. Obviously, you can't do that. But for people out there who want to get their legs more in, in game shape, is literally walking on a treadmill or a little jog the best idea? You know, how can they get themselves cardiovascularly ready? Because as we're about to talk about when it comes to mental fitness, if you're not sharp and if your body cannot last 18 holes, you're going to waste essentially part of your first round of the year or your first couple rounds of the year 
while, while, while trying to literally get your legs under you. And it's one of those things that I always find fascinating about golf, which is there are people that come out ready to go, whether it's professionals or amateurs. And then there are those pros that are working through swing changes or working through body changes. And because of sponsors or contracts or FedEx cut points or having to make a certain minimum number of events, they have to go out there and their games will work in progress and they know they might finish T46, but they're going to still do it. How can the amateur out there make sure that their legs are under them from the start? Yeah, I think... I think it just depends on how motivated you are, what your goals are. You know, are you viewing it as truly an off season or are you viewing it as a time of the year to almost get yourself more prepared for the season? I think if you view it as a true off season and you don't touch the clubs, you don't do anything golf related, then yeah, I think it's inevitable that you're going to spend the first few weeks of the year trying to get back into it and trying to get your legs back under you. But if, I think I think one of the main things is to have a goal in mind for the next season and to always have that somewhere where you can see it and remind yourself because that'll be motivational for you to get on the treadmill or to go for that jog or do whatever stretching and workout routine that your instructor has prescribed for you. Um, because if you forget about it all, it's easy just to kind of let it slide under the table and before you know it, it's spring and you're ready to get the clubs back out. And you're trying to remember everything that you've been working on. And and I think those who are motivated to use the off-season to their advantage and to almost get a leap a leap start, a, a jump start on everybody else are the ones that come out firing. Um, you know, getting a club in your hand in the living room, getting a mirror, working on your swing positions, doing all that sort of stuff indoors. You can make a lot of good progress that I think a lot of people don't realize in the off-season that that um, that those who come out ready to go, that's the stuff they're doing. So there are plenty of things that you can get from from a PGA professional that they'll give you to work on in the off season that are going to make you better for when the season rolls around. And it's not necessarily getting to the range if that's not uh, not an option for you. Absolutely, we're talking to Keith Bennett here, um, Keith. I've always found, and I'm not sure. I mean, you're you're the PGA pro here, not not me. I'm just a writer. Um, <laughs> so, so let's get that disclaimer out there. Um, I'm somebody that I th- I always think I'm more liable to make a mental mistake in my first couple rounds of the year because I'm just not sharp and I'm not cognizant of where my game is. Is is that kind of what your data has has found out over time that the people you teach and the amateurs you see are more likely to make a mental mistake in the first couple rounds of the year than later in the year? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it's natural. I don't think you can expect just to take a few months off and come back right where you left off if you had something going. But I also think, again, comes back to motivation, comes back to what you want to accomplish and, and how much better you want to be. You know, you can do a ton of good mental work in the off season. There's a ton of good programs out there now that exist, um, you know, there's a great program uh, called Decade by Scott Fawcett that I've been uh, basically a, a student of, uh, an avid learner of for the past two, three years now, and it's it's changed my course management, my mental game, and he teaches it all online through, you know, as little as three-minute videos up to half-hour videos on on 
subjects that I never even thought of in the game of golf and has, has really helped my instruction with students, but also had a profound effect on my own golf game and my ability to shoot my best scores. And these are all things that I've done in front of my computer, you know, not even really done um, on a golf course. And so you could spend the entire offseason going going through his entire catalog of videos and becoming a course management master and then having all these assets at your disposal by the time you step out on the first tee in the spring. And and that's how a lot of people are going to shoot their best scores. You know, we talked about this, I think, at some point where if you can sit there and hit your seven iron, hit your driver to within a certain dispersion window, right? You know, you're farthest left and you're furthest right, won't get you out of bounds too many times during a round. Right. Manage it. You can keep it in play. You are good enough. A lot of people I see, let me just say this, a lot of people I see on a lesson tee hit the ball better than they realize and are good enough to start shooting lower scores right now, but they're stuck in this sort of fantasy that if I hit the ball better on the range, then my scores will come down. But I've seen it really work and not really work in that way where they have the skills, they have the ball striking abilities to shoot X amount lower every round. They just have no idea how to manage themselves on a golf course and where to put the ball on a hole and how to avoid certain things, how to take advantage of certain things. And and Scott makes it really, really um, user friendly to to figure out how to play around the golf. And and it's been it's been brilliant. Um, I'm also going to recommend something. Um... And because I'm the host of this show, I have the power to do so. Um, there's this wonderful thing called Google Maps uh, that yeah. you might have heard of. Um, actually look at your golf course from above. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. out there who are playing golf courses that don't have yardage books and who don't have GPS systems. If you have some type of digital platform, and if you're listening to this podcast, you have a digital platform, Um you have free access to Google Maps and actually plot your way around the golf course. And I think it's a really interesting way to look at why do I always end up in the bunker there? Oh, wait, that bunker happens to be at the distance that I hit my driver at. Hmm. I wonder why I always hit it in that bunker. Um, and, and yeah, not, not to yet. And yeah, I think that. there's a really interesting really- way of looking at aerial pictures, backing up. And being like, okay, why the heck do I always miss it there? What's the better miss? There's a golf course near me that you've got three bunkers left, a bunker right, and absolutely nothing long. Nothing long. It's the walk to the next tee. It's a, you know, the the grain will be against you if you hit it there. But, but nobody who's an amateur cares about that. And I always tell people... Long is a good miss here. Meanwhile, the previous hole, long is dead. It goes down a hill and you're gone. You're into either no man's land or you're into a a, a, a penalty area. I would much rather hit it 10 yards long, uh, sorry, sh- uh, 10 yards short on that hole versus 10 yards long. Very next hole, much rather hit it 10 yards long than 10 yards short. And I think actually looking at your golf course from above can, can, can give you a really interesting insight into how to position yourself and how to play your golf course from the smartest possible way because you may see things that you normally don't. 
yeah, a thousand percent. Um, and not to get too off track of fitness, but I love this topic, and we, maybe we can do a separate podcast on it if you're willing. Um, but course management and in the in that decade system that Scott Fawcett, he was the first person who introduced me to how to use Google Maps, and there's there's a very cool tool on there. Uh, if you right click on a certain location, you can measure distance, and then you can measure a distance from your tee box that you normally play every day out to whatever bunker, whatever hazard, whatever thing, um, and it will show you exact numbers to how far that is. And you can, it becomes very obvious what the course architect has laid out for you, right? It becomes very obvious that if I hit driver, I have about a 15 to 20 yard window between two bunkers to land it and when you realize that the PGA Tour players have a dispersion window of 70 yards with their driver um, and those are the best drivers on the planet you're thinking well should I really be trying to slot this driver into a little 20 yard window every time or should I take the three wood and be a little bit further back but have a clean shot into the into the hole and it becomes very obvious what your decision should be and and, and what you got to realize is that that one decision over the course of a summer playing that hole could lead to half a shot better just on that hole, and all of a sudden your scoring average is coming down because you're doing that on every hole, and all of a sudden you're shaving a tenth of a shot here, a half shot here, and, and now your handicap's coming down. And I don't think people realize how easy that really is. And just to go even more off topic for a second, there is a dogleg... Uh, it it kind of moves left, but it's essentially a dog leg right par five. That's straight away from the tee, but the second shot place is a dog leg right um, par five near me. And a tree came down in a storm, a tree that was on the corner and caused all the problems. You've now got a straight shot in, and what what the aerial eventually did once Google Maps updated itself, and what hurt me the first time that I played it the next season, but then got better because I realized this is if you hit your tee shot far enough. You have literally 70 yards of room to miss your next shot. Right. Literally, because that tree's gone. You can hit it anywhere within the 70 yards, and you're fine. And the need to lay up by hitting a 100-yard shot before a 100-yard shot was gone. And you've now got a pitch shot if, if you like your short game. And if you like hitting 60-yard pitch and runs, obviously you need to hit the shot that fits your game. We're not advocating going for par fives because you should leave yourself with awkward yardages. But it becomes a lot more obvious when you play a hole and look at it from above and realize, I really do have all this space and I can suddenly hit something. So that, that I think, is the mental fitness from my end of things, which is understanding the golf course you play. So that's my complete diatribe and uh, into uh, complete tangent into mental golf Fitness. We are talking to Keith Bennett here about golf fitness. All right. Um, the beauty of podcasting is I can get up and leave. So while you wax poetic about Tom Brady, I'm going to do that. No, just kidding. Um, so a couple of disclaimers up top. Um, number one, I'm a Jet fan, but I like Keith, so I'm still letting him speak. Number two, Keith is not a doctor, and you should always consult your doctor before starting any fitness plan. Number three, Keith is not a paid ambassador for TB12. Number four, teeing it up, Jeremy Schilling and all the entities around us do not endorse TB12. And please don't call us if you have a problem with, with TB12. I think I've cleared myself of, of, of any legal issues here. And with that being said, Keith, go ahead. 
you um, and and there's actually a great backstory here. Um, all kidding aside, as to your past, then Tom Brady, then TB12, why you've endorsed it the way that you have endorsed lowercase e, why you're such an advocate for it, and the fact that this goes back a long way for you, but what Tom has done has really helped you. So um, I'm just going to let you run here and just talk about your beloved quarterback and talk about his fitness program and why it has been so beneficial for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously, huge Brady fan forever. Um, But, you know, I'm more a fan of just exceptional achievers and exceptional athletes and especially people who have had longevity in the sport um, and especially something like football where your career is normally not as long obviously quarterbacks can stretch it out a little bit longer than others um, but you know for someone who's played at such a high level for so long um, you know I've always been interested in what makes those those types of people tick and how they get it done and and you know recently within the last you know, probably five years, the TB12 method has come out and and him and Tom sort of speaking on, on his lifestyle, his way of life and and how he has, how he believes he's stretched out his best years and best performance, you know, into his 40s. Um, and, you know, it'd be foolish of me not to do some research and to find out what he has to say about it. Um, and, you know, working out in the gym, and talking to, to other trainers over the years and other golf-specific trainers, um, you know, the model has sort of gone a little all over the place as far as what everybody thinks is the best way to work out. Um, but what really stuck out to me when reading the TB12 method was this concept of speed of sport. Um, and I talk about that a lot. So speed of sport is, you know, if I'm a golfer, I want fast movements, but I want control and I want balance, right? We're trying to swing the club hard, but we're trying to swing it in control and hit the center of that club face as much as possible. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it's pretty intuitive when you think about it. Um, And so it doesn't really make sense for me to be doing a lot of very slow movements that are lifting heavy weight to build dense muscles that don't move quickly. Um, So that concept really resonated with me from the start uh, and then finding out more and more about the, the pliability aspect of it and the flexibility aspect of it you know added more more I started becoming more in love with the idea and and kind of thinking about it more I started to implement it into my workouts and now it's kind of the only workouts that I do as far as and the beauty of it too is I can get it done in my house with the the TB12 bands and the and the resistance bands and the foam roller and all that sort of good stuff. And so I've enjoyed it. It's been very helpful to me. Um, I think it's great for my body. I think it's it's better than than this idea of bulking up and being very dense and losing my mobility. You know, I always was after a, a lifting workout, I was always so, so tight and so sore. I felt like I lost a ton of range of motion in my golf swing. Um, but with these workouts, I'm still sore. Like I've got a good workout, but I haven't lost any range of motion. Um, and that's the beauty of the foam rolling and the pliability aspect of it all. So kind of in a nutshell, that's, 
that's sort of where it all began and, and where I'm at right now. Where are you? What's interesting about Tom, everybody talks about Tom's longevity, physical longevity. And look, in the AFC Championship game, Tony Romo obviously had his, his best moment as an analyst knowing exactly what Tom would do. And it's the sharpness, it's the mental sharpness of Tom. Mm-hmm. And that's a football game. That's a long game. This game ended up in overtime, obviously. And one thing about fitness that a lot of people forget when it comes to golf fitness is the mental side of it. And it's this odd correlation that being, ment- being physically fit can help you being mentally fit. But studies are proven over and over again that if you're physically fit, you're more likely to be mentally strong over a longer period of time and have more energy in the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a lot of people think about that context in terms of the classic workouts of lifting weights or running or whatever. Have you seen it with these pliability workouts that you're getting those same mental and emotional benefits that, that people who hit the gym every day are? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the programs are set up in a uh, circuit-type fashion, so, you know, you're doing it nonstop with very few breaks in between, so you're getting plenty of the cardio workout. I mean, I'm absolutely out of breath by the time I'm done with the workout because it's a nonstop thing, um, and it just it just hits on the muscles, and, I mean, I get it done in 35 to 40 minutes, which I love. I'm not someone who spends two hours in the gym. I get bored out of my mind. So I love a quick, snappy workout that I can be done with, but also feel like I got something very beneficial out of. So that's huge for me, and probably another reason why I like it so much is because I could get it done and be and be on with my day, but feel like I, I'm I got something accomplished. But I think just when you're talking about mental fitness and physical fitness, I think there's a huge component to it of understanding that. Of course, nobody wants to do it every day. I think there's always a mental battle that happens in your head of kind of going through these this list of excuses as to why you can skip today and why right. justifying it in your mind. Um, but I think that is a mental exercise in itself of actually doing the workout even though you don't want to. And I think that trains your brain to say, you know, that's the fight or flight response of the brain, the, the, you know, the animalistic response of not wanting to do something and then justifying it in your brain. And then, but when you overcome it and sort of, uh, leapfrog that, that can be very mentally powering. And that can translate to the golf course when you feel like maybe I'm down and out and around, but you decide I'm going to stick it out and battle and shoot the best score that I can today even though I don't really want to, I don't really have my best stuff, I could pack it in right here after nine, but I'm going to battle and see what happens. And then lo and behold, you have one of your, you know, one of your best nines or you hit a shot on the back nine that you've never done before. And all of a sudden you're, you're making progress and you've, and you've just unlocked something that will take you forward for the next month. So I think that alone is a huge mental benefit of, of the, of, uh, of the physical fitness as well. Excuse me, talking to uh, Keith Bennett here um, about the, the uh, TB12 method, pliability, bands, and everything that he does in his golf fitness routine every day. All right, final question when it comes to golf fitness. What are the one or two exercises? Again, we're not endorsing anything here, but what are the one or two exercises within the TB12 method that you have found most helpful for your golf swing? Because obviously Keith wants to be fit, which is a totally different thing that we're not going to that that obviously doesn't impact us because 
you know, the, the, there are some people who, who, you know, work out for, for different reasons. They have an injury to overcome. That's obviously a personal thing. That's not why we're here. Golf fitness wise, what are the, what are the one or two things that you, you know, sit down every day and go, that has really helped my golf swing? Um, there's a lot of core stability in the TB12 method. Um, you know, the pull-off press is a great one um, with core rotation. Um, so you basically have a, a, a band connected to a door frame. Um, you hold that band out in front of you with your arms stretched at length, um, and you're resisting that band pulling you back. So your core is engaged. Um, the band's out in front of you. Um, stretched out on a door frame and you know you're doing squats while you're resisting that band trying to pull you back towards the door frame um, that's been a huge one for me uh, because just getting the core activated and resisting that twisting so it's balance it's legs it's core um, and then another one has been just very rotational movements so you know attaching the bands to a door frame again all these bands are always attached to the door frame and then having that band out in front of me, just like the, the press I just described, but now you're twisting and rotating while keeping your arms outstretched, and you have to do it at speed over and over, as, as explosive as possible, and this comes back to the speed of sport concept, where you're doing these movements as fast as possible and as, as, as explosive as possible while also staying in control, and that's just like making a golf swing. We want to be fast and explosive and create speed, but we want to be balanced and in control. Um, and the great thing about the TB12 method and the, and the app that comes along with it is you can you can enter in what sport you want to play, what sport you want to train for, and the algorithm will spit out workouts for you that are centered around those specific sports and those specific movements that you want to hit on. So if you're a football player, if you're a soccer player, your workouts might look a little different than what I'm doing. So it's it's very cool in that regard as well. Keith Bennett is the golf uh, teaching professional, PGA teaching professional at the Golf Club of Newcastle. He also teaches online. You can find more information on that on KeithBennettGolf.com and on his Instagram, KeithBennettGolf. Keith, thanks for uh, wanting to spend part of your new year with us. It's been a great way to kick off the new year. Yeah, thank you, Jeremy. I'm excited for 2020. I'm uh, excited for for everything I got going and then hopefully connecting with more and more golfers around the world via the Skillist app and then more and more golfers in the state of Washington uh, at the Golf Club at Newcastle. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hopefully talking with you more and discussing more more topics that we're passionate about and, and helping the golf community at large. Absolutely. Um, He is Keith Bennett. Thank you for coming on, Keith. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.